0: Ready to get in the word tonight? Amen. Amen. Uh, the time that I've been with you on Wednesday nights, um, because we are a house of a house of faith, we are a house of prayer, we are a place of glory, and we are a people of influence. And so, dealing with this aspect of a house of prayer um, and a house of faith, you can't have one without the other. And so, it's been in my heart just to in this first part of the year to just minister on some aspects of faith maybe in a way that you just re- refresh her or maybe it's maybe in some ways you've never heard before heard, heard some things quite like this about faith you know last week we talked about trust and and so I don't have time to go back and review some things but uh we've dealt with faith is precious we've dealt with the fact that faith is powerful first john 5 tells us that every god-begotten person conquers the world's ways The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. Amen. So faith is a spiritual force that changes things. We talked about that last week and we talked about and we we connected it to what living faith is. According to Matthew chapter 17, when he talks to the disciples and he said, the Amplified said, if you had living faith as a grain of mustard seed, you would say. And so we talked about living faith and what living faith looks like. Faith that is alive is not having believed or just belief, but living faith is a position in a place of trust. And so as I was praying over over this week, I, I wanted to continue to deal with this aspect of trust but while you're, um, so let's go to Mark chapter 11, verse uh, 22, and also turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Mark chapter 11, verse 22, and Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Thank you, Father. And so let's see how far we get in this this week. Mark 11, verse 22 says, and Jesus answered and said unto them, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Not having faith in the denomination. Not having faith in your faith. Not having faith in what you can do. Not having faith in the church you grew in. Not having faith in mama. Not having faith in your pastor. Although it's good to have faith in a lot of those people. But the point is it's having faith in god it's this this is trust is about a personal relationship now let, let's look at uh, hebrews 11:6 but without faith it's impossible to please god doesn't say say it's hard or it's difficult it tells us it's impossible without faith it's impossible to please him For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him without faith. Now, the word faith in this scripture, without faith, it's impossible to please God. The word faith here means conviction or it means belief. Without belief or without conviction, you can't please God. For he that comes to God must believe. So you have faith. And the word faith here means conviction of something or, or, or the belief of something. But the word believe here means know to be true. It means to be persuaded or it means to have confidence or trust in. So without conviction... Without belief in God, without belief, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe. See, not just have an idea of, not just have a belief of, but must have believe, believe, must have confidence, must have trust in. Do you see that? It's not just I know God exists. It's not see that's belief. I know God exists. See, there's a lot of people in America that know God exists. I, I, you heard me use this example that if I were to do a survey, and this was done by George Barna back in the back in the early two thousands, and they did a poll that said, asked the question, "Do you believe God exists?" And you had like eighty percent of the population said yes. But then there was another poll said, you know, do you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord? See, it's one thing to believe in someone's existence. But do you trust, do you trust in the one they sent? So it's not just, yeah, he he's God. But what do you know about God? See, the Bible says demons believe and tremble. So, so it's not just a matter of belief. It's a matter is your belief is your has your belief brought within you a knowing that all of a sudden now changes how you live. See, see, because believe ultimately, if we're in a place of faith, it's going to change how we do things. If I truly believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. All of a sudden, that understanding and that knowing is going to change how I make decisions in life. Do, do you see that? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he, say he. 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 This is what I want you to see tonight, this is personal. Yes. Yes. It's personal. Everything in this scripture is riding on what you know about He. If, if you don't know who He, who He is, what are you going to have trust in? You know, I know you might have heard this said here, you know, when it says I must believe that he is. I'm so glad it just didn't. It left it open ended because because now believe that he is. And I love how it's been said that believe that he is what anything I need him to be believe that he is. He is my healer. He is my restorer. He is the one that makes things new. He is my provider. He is my righteousness. He is my joy. He is my strength. So so when I get to know He, now I can start establishing trust in my life. Thank you, Father. It's trusting in He. Faith that is now, faith that is active and faith that is living is seen in trust trust is a relational word Amen. trust trust means nothing without another party yes, right. i mean I, I, there's no, there, there's there's nothing to there's, there's, trust is never, is never established until it's put to work. No. Until someone chooses to step out on it. No. Trust is relational. I mean, faith, faith is faith. Yeah, I, I believe that. But when we talk about trust, it's, it, there, there has to be another party involved. No. So we we understand this trust. It has to be relational. It has to be it, the trust is built out of my relationship with God. The word trust, another word for it, and it, and it's the word trust is a verb and it is a noun, and both of them have a, a similar aspects of it. And there's this word connection, and it means reliable, reliable. So you know. How many people you live, you may live closer to Arlington on 20 and you drive this direction? Anyone? Now, if you were to live that direction, I see you over there, Belinda. you know, and so you're coming from that direction and you're, you're on 20. Now, I came from a small town and we had, we had two lane roads and that's all we had. We didn't have interstates. We didn't have anything like that. So I showed up to Texas 20 years ago and I'm like, what is a mix master? Is that a DJ on the radio? I don't know. But I mean, here, we're coming in, I'm coming in for the first time to, to Texas. I'm driving in my Honda Accord and, and I get to the exit, this, this exit and they didn't have GPS back then, except they had a map, map, they had maps back then. Maybe you can tell your kids what those things are someday, but we get, and it says, take this exit. We take this exit and I'm like, I don't want to take that exit. It's that, it's that, it's that 35 South exit that takes down. I'm like, Man, this is, this, this is like a roller coaster. I mean, I hadn't seen anything like that, but, but for me, I, I I was a little hesitant. Why? I hadn't been on a road like that. But now I've been here 20 years and I've driven all over this place. Why? I don't, I, I have no issues with driving on something like that. Why? Because there's trust. You know, you, you don't, if there's a, you're going, you're about to go across the bridge. That's, that's connecting something locally, maybe over the Trinity or something over there, off Seventh. You know, you don't you don't stop at the other side and like, ah, oh, I'm not sure. I, this is a bridge. I, I'm not sure about that. I, I know You trust that the people did their homework. They engineered it the way it needed to be engineered, and you have no you have no second thoughts of driving over that bridge, right? Why? Because you know the bridge was designed to carry you. See, trust has to be established through experience. It has to be established through the relationship. It's through getting to know him. Wow, I'm taking too long in this right now. Go to Psalms 125. Psalms 125. Trust is a relational word. Trust. Trust. Thank you, Father. Let's look at this aspect of trust. What does trust look like? What does trust do? Verse 1 says, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion. So it's it's there's an analogy here. They're likening, likening something. They're likening this this word trust to something. The, the they that trust in the Lord shall be like Mount Zion. Wow. So here we got we got to put a. So if I'm in a place of trust, how do I know I'm trusting? I'm going to be like a mountain, dick. You know what? It, it, Last time I checked, Mount Everest is still where Mount Everest is. Now, Jesus said we could speak to a mountain and it'd be thrown into the, thrown into the sea. And I'm sure if, if it was a life and death matter and it, and it had to, we could move Mount Everest. But the point is, is this aspect of trust. They that trust in the Lord are like a mountain. Like a mountain. Which cannot be removed, but abides forever. Abides forever. It abides forever. A mountain And that's how someone that trusts in the Lord is, is they are immovable. Verse 2 says, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem... So the Lord is around about his people henceforth, even forever. So trust, very aspect of trust is being immovable. Hallelujah. Faith believes God is, yet trust causes you to not be moved in any situation. Trust If I'm going to be in trust, I have to get to a place where nothing is going to move me off of that trust. Your level and ability of trust is challenged when you face opposition. Trust will always be challenged when you face opposition. When you trust God, you're like a mountain. No storm, no challenge is going to move me away from God's plan for my life. That's that's how you have to get it, And it doesn't matter what report you hear. And it doesn't matter what might be happening. What's going on. And and I'm not talking about it just. I'm talking about, you know, I'm human just like you. I have a family just like you. I receive reports just like you. Physical, financial. But I have, have to ask myself, is anything too hard for the Lord? I have to ask myself. Is God big enough for this? Is God bigger than this? So the thing is, 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 is my trust allowed to waver just because the storm got a little bit bigger? No, trust is trust. Whether it's, whether it's small or it's great, trust, it doesn't matter. If I'm not, if I'm not it personally in a place of trust, that means I need to go back and spend some time with his nature. With his character, Amen. meditating on how I, I remember a Bible school instructor I had. He said he goes, so often people are trying to build their faith. And, and, and this is the way she put it. She goes and she put it this way. He goes, You don't have a lack of faith. You have a lack of revelation of God's love for you and who he is to you. Because your faith is going to rise and fall based on his character. So, so for me, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what storms come. I have to make a decision. I'm not moving. It doesn't matter what the doctor just said. I'm not moving. It doesn't matter if, if the, the person I pray for didn't get, I'm, it doesn't change my trust. It doesn't change my belief. It doesn't change the word of God. It doesn't change what he spoke to me. It doesn't change that because trust is unmovable. And I can't, I can't let, I can't, I can't allow myself to take the second thought. I can't meditate on why it's not working. I can't, I can't do that. Why? Because, because it's the enemy is going to constantly be pushing against my faith. And you know what? It doesn't matter how long I have to stand. It doesn't matter what it might look like tomorrow. If nothing changes after I pray, it doesn't matter. Why? Because I have to be in this place of trust. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe that he is. I believe that he is. And he's a rewarder than that diligently seek him. Hallelujah. You trust him when you're broken inside. You trust him when everything's going great. You trust him when you have more than enough. And you trust him when ends don't seem to meet. It does not matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Trust has to be immovable. See, I have to be a, this this church is a house of faith, but I have to be a house of faith. Immovable. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. You know, just a minute ago, Joseph actually went to um, Psalms chapter 8 and talked about what is man but Hebrews 2, it actually brings out the same scripture. Because what I want you to see is, and this is what I wrote down. What I, what I want you to see tonight is your faith and trust in God isn't based on your surroundings. Okay? And let's go through through a, some, some scriptures that, that communicate this. Hebrews chapter 2. Thank you, Father. Hebrews chapter 2. Hallelujah. Where do we start, Father? Um, Thank you, Father. Verse 6. It says, It had been solemnly and earnestly said. I'm reading the Amplified. It had been solemnly and earnestly said in a certain place, What is man that you're mindful of him? Or the Son of Man that you graciously and helpfully care for and visit and look after Him. Joseph read that just a moment ago. For some little time you have ranked Him a little lower and inferior to the angels. Now, the word angels there is Elohim, which means is actually the word for God. So He actually is not a little lower than angels. It's actually a little lower than God. This is the translators in the Greek had a hard time saying that man was created a little lower than God. And so, so the thing is, we were actually created in a higher class as angels. That's why the angels are speaking to God in, in Psalm chapter eight and is asking God, why do you care about this man so much? The angels are speaking to God, looking at creation and saying, what is he? And what is he that you actually care about him? Because you don't care about us like you care about him. So that's another message. But here it says, for some a little time, you have ranked him a little lower and inferior to the angels Now, you have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the work of your hands. He's talking about man. You set man over the works of your hands. Verse eight. For you have put everything in subjection under his feet. Now, who is his? Man. Now, you put everything into subjection under his feet. Say say this with me. Everything is under my feet. Now, you got, you got to see, this, this, this is reality. This isn't one day in the future, this is now, okay? He, he put over the works of his hands, he set everything under man's feet. Now, get this, now in putting, now get this, now in putting everything in subjection to man, he left nothing outside of man's control. He left nothing outside of man's control. So that means you have authority in your, in this life, right? He left nothing outside of man's control. Meaning there isn't something that has more ability than man. Hear this. Now in putting everything into subjection to man, he left nothing outside of man's control. Now get this. But at present, we do not yet see all things subjected to him. Alright. He put everything under man's feet. He left nothing outside of man's control. What he's you saying? Right now, I'm not seeing that as a reality. Meaning, uh, I'm, I'm seeing man is still being overcome. This is what I'm seeing. But then he says this in the very next verse. Thank you, Father. But we are able to see Jesus. Now, uh, this is what he has given man. Everything's under his feet. He left nothing outside of his control. In the natural, we're, this, this doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like man's winning. But, it, but it, what does he say? But we're able to see Jesus. But we're able to see Jesus. Meaning it doesn't matter what my surroundings are like. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. I'm able to see Jesus. Yeah, I just got the report, you know, but, but I'm able to see Jesus. I just experienced this great loss, but I'm choosing to see Jesus. I'm choosing to see Jesus. I'm choosing to focus on the answer. I'm choosing to look to Jesus. I'm choosing to look to Jesus. Thank you, Father. Let's go to verse 10. For it was an act worthy of God and fitting to the divine nature that he... Now, we're able to see Jesus. Now, this isn't just, like I said, looking at Jesus in the circumstance. It wants us to look at how Jesus lived. Okay? We can use that scripture, you know, right now, I'm not winning right now, okay? But I can see Jesus. And that's a great one to look to when you're not winning, okay? Right? But it's not just looking to Jesus, but it's looking how Jesus lived. Because now it's going to tell us, How did Jesus live? For it was an act worthy and fitting that he... Talking about Jesus, capital H-E here. For whose sake and by whom all things have their existence... In bringing many sons into glory... Should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect. Should bring to maturity the human experience necessary... To be perfectly equipped for his office as high priest through suffering. For both he who sanctifies... And those who are sanctified all have one father. For this reason, he's not ashamed to call them brethren. Verse 12, for he says, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing hymns of praise to you. And again he says, again he says, it's capital H. What does Jesus say? And again Jesus says, my trust. What is Jesus saying? But we're able to see Jesus. What did Jesus do to fulfill his assignment? He says, and again, again, he says, my trust and assured reliance and confident hope shall be fixed in him. So when Jesus didn't seem like he was winning, what did Jesus do? He remembered his assignment. He remembered the calling on his life. And what did he do? He said, my trust and assured reliance and confident hope shall be fixed in him. And yet again, here I am in the children whom God has given me. I mean, it doesn't matter what it looks like. My trust is in him. My trust is in him. So when things don't look like our surroundings don't look like we're winning or surroundings don't look like the promises are fulfilled. We look to we look at Jesus. And what did Jesus do? My trust and reliance is fixed in him. Fixed what means immovable and established. It doesn't matter what it looks like. I'm going to do what Jesus did. I'm going to have trust and firm reliance in him. Amen. This, is how, this is how Jesus lived his life. How much more would we? Thank you, Father. Trust. Trust. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Go to 2 Corinthians. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Now, let, let's bypass that. Let's go to... Hmm. Just for this time, I just want to um Thank you, Lord. Go to go to Exodus fourteen. Thank you, Lord. You can make note of Second Corinthians chapter one, verse nine through eleven. Make note of that and you can go and read that later. But Paul talks about. How God again he trusted him, trusted in him, who again, again, he talked uh, again, and he said, and will yet deliver us. And he talks about and 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 the and God in whom raises the dead. I, I love how Paul puts in something that's impossible and he said he and he equates trust in something that is naturally impossible. He says, I trust in even Even the something of the impossibility of being raised, I trust in that, and God will yet deliver me. Exodus 14, I'm, I'm talking, not turning. So, I just want to honor your time as well. Thank you, Father. Just two verses here. In Exodus 14, verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still. Stand still is connected to trust. Stand Still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today for the Egyptians whom you have seen today. You shall see them no more. Now, get this. The Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Now, I love where the I love the amplified here because it elaborates that word peace in its original Hebrew here. And it says this and the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace and remain at rest. You will hold, you shall hold your peace and remain at rest because true trust will always cause you to enter a place of rest. Trust brings you to a place of rest. So here we say, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord, the Lord will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you. And give you rest, rest. Now let's go to go to Hebrews four, and I'll close with this: Hebrews four. Thank you, Father. Hebrews four. Thank you, Father. Hebrews four is all about the promise of rest and. Let's look at verse one first. It says, Let us therefore, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, nor being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Meaning they didn't mix faith with what they heard. They heard, that what they heard was from God and they believed it was from God. But they didn't mix faith with it. That what they heard didn't mingle to where it came to a place of trust. And because it never came to a place of trust, they never entered into the rest. How do you say, well, how, how do you know they'd enter a place of trust? Why? Because they kept saying, well, just take us back to Egypt. Did God really say? Did God really say? Well, I know they gave us manna, but will He give us some meat? See, that's always that's always challenging the nature of the Creator. And so, it wasn't just did they believe God could get in the Promised Land? That had nothing to do with it. It had to do: would they trust Him to take them there, or would they try to do it themselves? But I want you to see something here because now we talked to how Jesus lived. Now, how does God do things? Let's look at verse 9. Therefore, there remaineth, therefore, a rest to the people of God. Meaning, just like it was for the children of Israel in the promised land, there's a rest for you. Say, there's a rest for me. me. Hallelujah. It remaineth. It's available. Remaineth meaning it's continually available. Remaineth mean that just the T-H on the end, mean it's continual. Meaning this is always available. The door's always open. For he that entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Now think about it. I've read this scripture so many times and through the years, but... I, I never focus, I, I kept reading real quick in and, 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 and this whole aspect, there remains a rest for me. For he that enters entered into his rest has also ceased from his own works. Now, we can, we can equate this to the fact of how do I know I'm in trust? I'm not trying to do it myself. But what is really being said here? He's saying, for he that entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works. As God did from His, verse eleven. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Now, okay, we're supposed to labor, strive for, work after entering to this rest. It's not working to for salvation. It's not working to get God to do something. It's to labor to enter the same way God rests. Okay, you got time for one more scripture. Let's go to Genesis Genesis two. Genesis 2. Remember, it's as God rests. And so let us labor into that same rest. So what does that mean for us? I'm glad you asked. Verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all of the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the Sabbath day from all his work, which he had done. Let me ask you a question. Why was he done? Someone said, don't be shy. Why was he done? Because it was finished. It was finished. So we are to enter rest, we're to labor and enter into that same rest as he did. And why did God rest? Because it was finished. (laughs) I I, I just wish you could see what I see on the inside. It's finished. Why do I trust? Because it's finished. Why do I trust? He promised it's finished. Why, Why can I rejoice? Because it's finished. Why would I enter into rest? Because it's already done. Why should I? Why do I? Why do I not have to worry? It's finished, Vic. He's already got my back. He knows my future. He knows everything about me. So when I understand trust and I enter into rest as he entered in. That's the that's the that's the instructions that we have to enter rest like God entered rest. And why did he enter rest? He was done. So how do I know him and trust when I embrace the fact that it's already done, already done? Well, Pastor, I, the the doctor still says the same. I know the doctor said it's okay, but uh, it's already finished. And I kept because there's there's some faith things I'm releasing my faith for, and and I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, what what I, what what? How do I position myself? He goes. Lord, help me to say this the right way. Because I didn't write this down. He told me this. He said, He said, Justin, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. What was that, Father? It was like your natural, your natural needs to catch up with what you're speaking. It was something of that effect that I'm speaking what I'm believing. And he said, Justin, you keep speaking what you're believing. And then what you're believing is going to catch up with the natural. Meaning, meaning my the natural situation needs needs to catch up with what I've already declared. Call those things that be not as though they are. That this situation right here just needs to catch up with what I've already spoken. That this needs to get in line with what I've already spoken. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. So you received this word tonight. Yes. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you Lord. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Father. Yes. We thank you, Father, yes. that we rest. Amen. We rest. We trust you. Father, and I thank you, Lord, as we leave here tonight, I thank you that we leave here with our, with our faith stirred, Amen. with faith established. We leave here with a greater hunger for the word of God. We leave here with a greater hunger to know you more. Amen. We leave here with a greater desire to know that the enemy is under our feet and that we trust like Jesus trusts. We leave here with a greater understanding to know that we rest like you rested, Heavenly Father. So we labor to enter into that rest, to know, understand, and be fully assured that it's finished. I thank you, Father, that things are changing in our lives because of this understanding of not just us having more faith. That's not, no, it's just this, we're understanding how your kingdom operates. We're understanding you. In everything you're about. I thank you Father. That we are coming up. In victory. I thank you that we are. A victorious church. Bringing victory. To every, every everyone we meet. We thank you for it. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you Father. Love you guys. Have a great rest of your week. See you Sunday morning. I'll be ministering both services on Sunday morning as we continue talking about Simplify and talking about supernatural increase. God bless. Love you. See you.